0: Welcome to Participate. I'm Mike Washburn.
1: And I'm Dr. Julie Kane.
0: On this episode, we'll talk about some changes coming to the podcast. They're all great. And we're joined on this episode by our friends at Participate Learning, Anna Maria Knight and Michelle McCumber to talk about United We Teach. Let's get started. So, hey, Julie, we're back. Episode two.
1: Yay, we got finally got back here.
0: Here we are. So we took some time because, you know, episode one was awesome, by the way, Um, just in case anyone has missed it. Um, You should go back and take a look at the feed, uh, download and listen to the episode um, with Dr. Margaret Honey uh, from Nice, You two go way back. We do go way back. That was
1: such a gift to get to talk to her and get to work with her. I love it so much.
0: And we wrote a blog post about it um, and everything. So you should go and check that content out because it was absolutely fabulous and It was so good that I think we want to do this more often, in fact. So we've been making plans. Lots of plans. Plans and plans about plans. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we've definitely been doing that. So the idea is maybe to release this a little more often. I'm mm-hmm. pretty excited about that.
1: Yeah, I think that's really important. We're working with so many people. And I think given just where folks are at and just the need to kind of connect with one another and hear stories and hear about what other people are doing and how other people are coping and also innovating during this time. Mm-hmm. And this is, again, the conversation we have with Michelle and Anna Maria really highlights that kind of innovation. So yeah, we want to do them. It's fun. We want to do them more
0: often. Yeah, for sure. And not... Not just with our partners, because I think that participate is one of the best collections of experts on communities of practice. But there are other experts out there, believe it or not. And we would love to chat with those folks as well. So we're going to start connecting with other folks that are thinking about how to build community and how to build communities of practice and trying to get them to come on the podcast and join us as well.
1: Yeah, because there's so many folks out in Europe and just globally who really use communities of practice for organizational learning, and they really are actually experts in the field. And mm-hmm. so it's going to be, I think, a great opportunity for us to like talk about with folks maybe in agriculture or medicine or you know just different areas, because I think we just can learn so much from diverse perspectives, obviously. And so, yeah, we're really hoping to get that going. So looking forward to that
0: a big world out there yes, lots of people doing is. lots of amazing things and hopefully we can spend some time talking to them so again go back and check out the first episode of participate and really look forward to seeing more content in your feed blog posts and episodes hopefully every two weeks yep. and with a wide variety of folks thinking and talking about communities of practice all really exciting changes coming to this podcast And we get to talk when we come back to Anna Maria Knight and Michelle McCumber from Participate Learning's United We Teach community. It's a great conversation, so stay with us. Welcome back, everybody. Participate Learning wanted to create a space that took learning beyond just resource sharing and lesson plan creation and wanted to encourage educators to share stories and create new knowledge together. The result was United We Teach, a community aimed at finding solutions to remote teaching and learning through live chats, discussion threads, virtual events, and resource curation. Anna-Maria Knight and Michelle McCumber from United We Teach join us now. Welcome to the podcast.
2: Hey, guys. Hi, Mike. Hi, Julie.
0: So let's start out learning a little more about you two. Can you tell us about your backgrounds and positions at Participate Learning?
2: Sure. Happy to. So for over 30 years, Participate Learning has been promoting a passion for global learning and global education through our cultural exchange program, through our dual language immersion program and global education program. And when I joined the organization in 2007, my main role was to support international teachers through their application process and then through their culture experience in the United States. And then I had various other roles, including creating curriculum and professional development resources for teachers, helping the organization transition to our first digital learning management system, which is now hosted by you, our sister company, Participate. And my current role, focuses on working across the organization to operationalize communities of practice through our various business units from teacher support to teacher development to product development to sales and to marketing.
3: Okay, well I'm Michelle and I am actually a former teacher with our program. So I came from Canada originally in 1999 as one of the many global educators we bring from around the world to enrich education in schools in North Carolina, Virginia, and South Carolina. So I taught with the program three different times, did a stint when we were doing a pilot program in England, and also taught for three years at an international American school in Paraguay. So my last stint in the classroom ended in 2013. I came out of our first global school after having been there for four years and came to work at the office where I have held several roles since then. I was a learning center community leader for our very first online community where we were encouraging teachers to connect and learn with and from each other. And then I've spent a couple of years as a global school program manager. I worked in our partnerships team, and now I'm going back Back to my roots. For the past couple of months, I have been in a new role that focuses all about teacher engagement and teacher experience. From the time a teacher starts applying for our company and to come teach with us, all the way through them becoming an alumni and hopefully part of our Participate Learning family forever.
1: I know this is so great. I get to like be in this position to talk about all the amazing work you do. And full disclosure, I've worked with Anna Marie and Michelle for many years. I first met. Anna Maria now back in 2011. So it's been almost a decade of working through all of the various platforms and participate owes just an incredible debt to our friends at Participate Learning in terms of growing the platform and really being part of the DNA of the very technology itself. And Michelle, the first time I met was like one of the most amazing teachers I ever got a chance to observe in the classroom. So it's just really thrilling to kind of watch what you have done with United We Teach. So let's like dive into that. You know, you're really wanting to provide all educators are the Participate Learning International educators, but it's an open community. It's open to all teachers and many, many teachers have joined. I think you'll tell us how many are in there now, but I know it's probably close to a thousand in terms of really helping them through this really incredibly challenging time of transitioning to remote teaching, particularly in the K-8 area. This is something that has never really been done before. Certainly there might be some online high schools, virtual high schools, but I think fully remote teaching in the K-8 is certainly, at least in the US, this is uncharted territory, for many. So can you sort of talk to us, Michelle, about a brief overview of the United We Teach community and how you guys really came to be and what was the goals for it?
3: Well, obviously, with bringing over a thousand teachers in any given time here to the U.S. to teach, we have teachers adapting to being in a different country, to being in a different community, in a different school system. And so immediately when COVID hit and impacted schools the way that it did and they were shut down and teachers were forced to pivot almost instantly. I mean, pack up your stuff in a couple of hours and be ready to do all of the amazing things that you do in your regular classroom. Do it virtually. Do it well. Engage students. Keep your community together. Keep in contact with your parents. Just do all the wonderful things you do. But now do it from home, (laughs) never having had to do that before. And so, of course, our immediate thought was our teachers. Like, how are we going to support them? And make sure that not only do they have the resources that they need and the ability to know that we're here to support them, but that their like spirits stay up. That is, so yeah. we were really concerned about their emotional well-being. I yeah. mean, I'm not taking away from the educational importance of that, but their emotional well-being was our first priority. And then when we started to think about the fact that we could use what we already have, you know, our communities of practice that we know work so well for our programs and other groups of educators, we thought that that was the perfect answer. So we created United We Teach with the idea that we would have a space where we could put resources that we felt might Help them, that we could put resources that they were asking us directly for. So we knew for sure that they were looking for those things, but also that we could then have some live chats each week to bring them together face to face in the moment and really see and feel and get a good gauge of how they were feeling and how they were dealing with this. And when we started talking about it, we thought, well, if we're going to do this, why not just open it up to everybody? Mm -hmm. You know, teachers have a hard time connecting with their colleagues when they're in their own building. And so that suddenly was made even more difficult when they were forced to do all of this from home. So that was our intention behind creating this community. And I think it's been successful. We were very honest with them at the beginning, the people that started joining us, in saying that this is why we've created it. We're pivoting as quickly as you are, and we are building this plane as we are flying it we want you to be the drivers of this. We want you to tell us what you want from this community, what you want from these chats, what you want in these discussion boards and in terms of resources, and we will deliver. So building as we were implementing and it ended up working out really well for us. And I'm sure Anna Maria probably has some things to add to that.
2: Not really, I guess. As I was, as I was like nodding through everything that you were talking about, you know, one thing that did come to me is that How certain we all were that in that moment, I still remember March 13th, that was the Friday before (laughs) uh, the world changed for many schools here, yes, that we knew that once teachers would start to teach remotely, that their greatest need would be to be able to connect with each other and to hear from each other. And that's what this community is about, is an opportunity for teachers to connect and to support each other because no one. No matter how many years you have done professional development with teachers, no one knows better than teachers how tremendously challenging it is to teach remotely Mm -hmm. and what the teacher's needs are when it comes to the new reality of what schooling looks like. So the community was a way to connect all of these teachers as they supported each other.
0: And as you can imagine, we spend a lot of time thinking about not just how to build a platform and a software service and how things work, but how communities actually function inside the community. And one of the things that has really stood out to us about what you're doing in United We Teach is that you've inspired the teachers that are there to become the leaders of that space provided a space to amplify their voices and centered them as opposed to you two being in charge and telling everyone what to do and where it's going to happen and all of this stuff you've actually let a lot of the community members be more active and engaged in the actual functioning of the community. So Anna Maria, why do you think it's so important to let community members, especially these teachers, influence the activities, topics, and chats within United We Teach?
2: Here's what we know about communities of practice is that they will never flourish unless they are in the service of their members. And communities of practice need to answer a need that community members have. So the need through the last few months has been for them to hear from each other and then for them to have opportunities to brainstorm together. So in a way, really, they didn't just influence the activities. And I think that Michelle referenced this earlier too. They actually Mm -hmm. set the agenda for the conversations. And that I think is key to the feelings of belonging and trust and the total engagement that exists in this community.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think building on that, Michelle, in a previous interview, you mentioned the importance of building relationships with community members early on. So, and I think that connects exactly with what Anna Maria is talking about with trust. Cause I think it's one thing to really know that you need these community members to take leadership, to really kind of shape the agenda, but folks are not necessarily going to jump in unless they really feel like it's a trusted space and they feel that sort of sense of belonging. So can you sort of talk about some strategies or, how you felt that that actually happened in this community?
3: Well, as a former educator, I was always a big believer in that whole idea of you start your school year by mm-hmm. building your classroom community, right? building that trust, getting to know your students, letting them know you as a human being versus them thinking that at the end of the day, when they get on the bus, you crawl in one of the cupboards and you pop <laughs> yeah. out the next morning, ready to teach class. Right. And we know that happens because they get so yeah. surprised when they see you at the grocery store and they're like, what? <laughs> you, you shop food? for groceries. <laughs> so I'm a big believer in that. And I think the same stands true for a community. There was no way that we were ever going to be able to build that safe space and have that trust. There was no way that, People were gonna come and ask very vulnerable questions or share things that they weren't quite sure how other people would respond to. And there was no way that anyone was going to be willing to be a guest speaker or to dive in and engage in the way that they have without us first building those relationships. And I think that was a big priority for us. And we were really honest with that in the beginning when we were telling them about the very reason why we started the community. And that was like, we want to make sure you're doing okay, and that you all understand that you're not alone together. So I think we did a lot of that relationship building in the beginning and then also letting teachers know that we were thinking about them beyond the end of a live chat. So after the live chats, going in and engaging in discussions, tagging people, commenting on them, thanking them for ideas that they shared, summarizing the things that were talked about in the chat, but then also taking that outside to Twitter and being like, thank you so much to the team that came today, tagging the person who maybe shared a great idea or a resource and putting that out there on Twitter as well. And so I think... We were empowering them and amplifying their voices by giving them a chance to be themselves, to share and to not feel judged, to feel very comfortable, and that trust grew over time. And so then when we decided that we were going to ask for some guest speakers and we said, okay, now we've been doing breakout rooms, we've been discussing these topics and diving into them together – But our time, no matter if we spent 10 minutes or 25 minutes in a breakout room, it always felt when that time ended like it was too short. We still had lots to say. So we did a survey, a Google form, and asked teachers to tell us, give us some feedback on how we were doing, what else they wanted to see from the community, but also ask them, is there something that you would be willing to share your experiences with and be a guest speaker? And we got great responses. And so we shifted the setup of our chats at that time to then do a bit of an intro and then to turn it completely over to a teacher who was going to share with the group. And sometimes that resulted then in discussion groups afterwards in breakout rooms. Other times it was just Q and A with that presenter at the end. I think they loved having a chance to share what they know about and to know that I don't have to be 100% an expert in this, but I tried this Mm -hmm. in my classroom and here are some things that worked for me. And I think the first couple of people that did that, the way that the community responded to them. They gave them shout outs in the community and outside of the community. They praised them. They thanked them. They showed that there was value in that. They went and practiced those ideas and put them into practice in their virtual classrooms and came back and talked about how that went. And I think that let that guest speaker know wow, that was really great. I feel really built up and confident and excited to continue engaging. But it also gave other people the confidence to say, you know what? That wasn't so bad. Maybe I'll try that. Maybe I'll share something next time, too. And again, I think it was just really important for us to let teachers know that this was a space where they could depend on us and on each other to share, to answer questions, to vent, to test ideas out on. Because like I said before, even in your own school, when things are running pre-COVID, it is hard to find the time to connect with people that maybe aren't in your grade level meeting each week, right? And even once a week, that's not enough. So this space, I think, provides teachers with the opportunity to do that with people from all over the world who are like-minded and testing out some of the same things.
0: And not only have you done these breakout rooms and small conversations, but you've actually, and Maria, you recently hosted a virtual summit. And I'll tell you, the team at Participate was raving over the quality and the content and the way it was organized over there. A lot of us participated in it, watched it and learned from it. And I'll tell you, as someone that speaks at conferences and has participated in tons of virtual conferences over this season, there was... Not many better run than this one that you guys put on. And you connected sessions to the activities inside the community, which is absolutely brilliant. It's exactly what we imagined you could do with a live event inside of our platform. Can you speak to some of the community design work that went into building what we would call those inner and outer loop connections?
2: Just a few words about the summit itself. So the summit was a five-day online conference that we organized and that was led by teachers for teachers and it tackled topics around best practices around digital learning and global learning so every day we had about five or six one-hour sessions all presented by teachers in our programs and the reason that we thought about the summit is because through our work just setting up and launching the united we teach community we got a taste of how important it is for teachers to hear from other teachers. And we wanted to amplify this even more. So the summit was launched globally. Again, we kept it free. And we had teachers from all over the world join us, including from India, where it was, you know, middle of the night. Are you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here are a couple of things that we did do to integrate the community. And the integration was important because we wanted people who came to the summit and people who heard for the first time about the United We Teach because of the summit, we wanted them to know that the summit may be ending at the end of the week, but the learning and the community will be there for them as well. So a couple of things that we did, the event page on our website from the very beginning promoted both the summit as well as the United We Teach community. We also use the same hashtag that we use to promote the community. We use the United We Teach hashtag to promote the event as well. And then even the registration confirmation email sent people to the community for them to sign up, create an account and start introducing themselves in a discussion thread, which we created in there, which we named the United We Teach Summit. We also described the community from the beginning, the actual community, we described it as The place where teachers can connect with each other in between the live sessions of the summit, the place where they can access session materials after the summit is over, and also the place where they can continue to connect with other teachers and deepen that feeling of connection that they may have established with each other during the summit. And then lastly, at the beginning of every live session, we encourage participants to tweet about the session and to tweet about what they're learning. This is where the outer loop came in. We reminded them about the summit hashtag. We also let them know about what the Twitter handle of the presenter was so that they can give the presenter shout outs on social media. And then at the end of the session, We had reminders about joining the community, and we would literally demo at the end of the session about how they can join the community and what discussion threads they can access and how to keep connected with each other. So what was interesting in observing the way that the participants themselves use the inner and the outer loops of learning is that inside community discussions, they really use that for deep reflections on their learning. So they would write at length about what they learned. And that's not something that we asked of them or that we expected at all, but they would write long paragraphs about what they learned in the session and also tag the session presenters. And then because of the character limit, that was not possible on Twitter, but they also jumped on there to continue to give shout outs to the presenter and they used Twitter a lot during the session. So it was interesting to see how the community space itself and then what was happening in the outer loop how they complemented and supported the learning and deepened it at the end of the day.
3: And even yesterday in our live chat, which is like weeks later from the summit, we had people bringing up things that they learned about in summit sessions that they were now doing in their virtual classrooms. And so they're still reflecting back on that. And they walked away with so much learning that now is a part of what they're doing. And they found it so beneficial. So that's also really good to hear that that learning didn't just go away when the summit ended.
1: Well, and I think even more than that, and I just remember the idea of that multiple cycles of presentation. Like, you know, sometimes you go to a conference and your mind's blown or you learn something new and then it's sort of, that's it. And then, you know, maybe two months later, you're like, ugh you just want to sort of re-engage with those ideas. And so the idea that you had the chat, that then you had another chance for them to talk about those things and then to reflect on what they did in the classroom, that's just a continuation. So I think picking up that thread and for anyone who hasn't the chance to see the community, we'll make sure that there's ways for you to find the United We Teach. Obviously it's open and free. So whoever's listening, we definitely want you in there. And I know Michelle and Anna Maria and the rest of the community would really invite all teachers to be in there because it's full of great resources and learning opportunities. And Michelle, like, in terms of wanting to really understand that the community is not just a one-time event, whether it's the virtual summit or maybe there's going to be another synchronous event or even if it's a live chat, this idea of almost redesigning the learning experience. I think we're sort of seeing some events even recently that are so effective. You're like, I think this might change the nature Of face-to-face events even when we can all come back together so just in terms of the impact on you all in terms of the design like how are you sort of thinking about the creating ongoing engaging activities so that people really understand because it's a different way of thinking i think when you're like we're not letting you go you're going to keep coming back and we're going to have all these opportunities yeah so i'm just curious about like how you're thinking about that now
3: Yeah, so we definitely are committed to doing that. And when we first started and we went through the summer, I mean, we had people say, please don't stop. You're not going to stop the live chats, are you? I mean, they want to continue connecting. They're thirsty for that knowledge. And so I think one of the things, and it relates back to something you were just talking about, Julie, is that the summit finished and people were still maybe a week or so later like, Mm -hmm. oh, I want to revisit that again. I wish I had another opportunity. So we took feedback very seriously. We always take feedback from our partners very seriously. But we did do a feedback survey related to the summit and got a lot of really good information and suggestions and ideas for topics that they still are wanting to dive into. And so what we've done in planning ahead for future chats is we've already reached back out to some of those presenters for essentially a part two of their presentation. Can we do a deeper dive? For some people, you know, we got feedback about certain sessions that said, I really liked when they were talking about this, but I really want to dive deeper into it. I'd almost like a step-by-step step tutorial. So we have some of those coming up in the future Great. for the United We Teach community. But just in general, I think it's really reinforced for us what we've known and believed in for a long time since communities of practice became a reality for us that they really can work. They don't have to work in isolation. It doesn't have to be everything online. Or, yeah. I mean, right now everything is online, but it doesn't just have to be typing up a big blurb. There's an opportunity to then have a Zoom call or to have a live webinar, or to have whatever that might be, where you have the chance to come together. And I think we're watching very closely and listening very closely to what our members are doing mm-hmm. outside of our community and outside of our live chats too. We're seeing that they are connecting with each other socially. We have a group of Argentinian teachers who now get together for, like, basically a coffee chat. They bring their mate. But they have created this social group and are creating bonds. Many of them are in Argentina. Many of them are here in the U.S. We're watching them create video challenges. We're watching and seeing them share, saying thank you to this teacher for getting online with me and doing a one-on-one tutorial or sharing more, elaborating more on this particular topic. So we're watching that stuff very closely and thinking about those things as we continue to plan and shape experiences and activities for the teachers in this community. And I think we've just seen that even when we go back Mm -hmm. to the regular classroom, I think teachers will always crave an opportunity to still make those connections that they don't have the opportunity to make every day and every week in their own schools and districts. And so I think I can foresee this continuing even when COVID ends.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure.
3: So listening... And constantly asking of community
2: members, what do you need? But not just in general, but what do you need this week? And what do you need today? And then providing a solution to that need, I think it's really key. And we're fortunate at Participate learning because we have a team of about eight people who are listening. It's not just me and Michelle who are in touch with our candidates and so many of our teacher candidates who are applying to come through the program to teach in the United States. Are in the United We Teach community. And sometimes they hear from them through an email about a need and then they communicate that on to the rest of the team. So it's been really powerful to have a team of people behind this effort because it does make listening to the team members and really capturing most of what they need much easier than if this were the responsibility of only one or two people.
0: Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, your team is modeling. Some really great behavior, some really great action that any community manager, any Person that's interested in running a community of practice and facilitating one should definitely be listening and paying attention to. Michelle and Anna Maria, how can our audience connect with both of you, either on social media or however best that you connect with folks?
2: (laughs) Do it. Go to the United We Teach community on the participate platform and then reach out to us through a discussion thread inside that community or through a private message on the platform. Really, that's the best way to reach us.
3: Yeah. For those who have questions about the community, we're happy to answer them, but we also love to connect on Twitter. So you can find us on Twitter. I don't know if there's a way you can link our Twitter handles when you post this or whatever, but I'm at Michelle McAmber. It's with one L (coughs) because at the time when I created my Twitter handle, somebody already had it with two, but we love connecting on Twitter and following all of the great ideas that other people are sharing out there. It's a wonderful way. And then, of course, once you connect with us there, we'll loop you into the community. Absolutely.
0: And we'll put all the links in the show notes so that folks Yay. can go there and you, check guys. that out. Uh, it was Michelle wonderful. and have to Anna come back. Maria, thanks so much for joining us.
3: Thank, thank you thank for you. having us.
0: Thanks
1: for listening to Participate. My name is Dr. Julie Kane. My co host is the great Mike Washburn. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at participate.com. You can tweet us at, at participate. Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter, and I can be found there at Julie Kane. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or in Google Podcasts. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. Thanks, as always, for listening. Until next time.